Praise the Lord. We're going to get into the Word uh, right away, and um, I am mindful of and aware of, of the clock, but I want to encourage you to not be so aware for just a little bit. We can do that, you know, and, and we probably should do more of that, but that's... All right. Two weeks ago, I, I shared, um, and we looked in the Scripture in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25, and that is our text, and as I promised two weeks ago, I'm there again today, and I'll be there again in two weeks to finish off, but um, we have three exhortations, and we're looking at the second exhortation in this, in this text, and just by way of reminder, very quickly, but we saw two provisions of God uh, marked by the phrase in this chapter here, since we have, we find it twice in our text, we have a Savior, first of all, that we, we enter and we come by the blood of Jesus, but we have a Savior whose sacrifice was sufficient once and for all. Didn't have to go back and sacrifice again, but he, once and for all, we have a Savior who took away our sins. And we also have a priest in Christ. Since we have a great priest, the writer says, and so we thank God for that provision that he made for us, this priest in Jesus who intercedes and mediates for us daily, regularly, this second, right now, in the next second, in 10 seconds, tomorrow, he will always do that. And it's not just a once a year deal. Like the priest went into the Holy of Holies behind that holy curtain and he would offer a sacrifice, but it's ongoing because of what Jesus did. What a great thing that he gives us, that Christ gives us a better attitude not one of fear and frustration, but one of confidence and of, well, we just go, we, have, we are clean because of his blood and we can go in and we're not afraid anymore. And we have direct and a direct approach now, not one that has to go through the priest or a whole long sacrificial system to get to God. We go to Jesus and we go directly to God through him. Amen? What a great privilege, what a benefit, what a provision. And we have privileges that result uh, because of that. And the result in this passage is that there, is an, there are exhortations by the writer to do three things. That the reader does three things. And we looked last week at that exhortation to draw near to God two weeks ago. The whole point was, if I'll summarize very simply... The door is wide open because of what Jesus did. Why are you staying out? Go into God. Draw near. Get close to God. And of course, we know what James says, that he will draw near to you. But go. Draw near to God. Tell him everything. He knows anyway. Get close to him and hear him. Because sometimes we don't. And if we get close, we just might hear his voice. His instruction, his direction, his correction, his encouragement. And the confidence he instills because of what Jesus did and because he's a great God. And so this week we're in verse 23. It's the emphasis. Verse 23. And I'm not reading the whole text, but just verse 23 today. He says, the writer says, let us. There it is, that second let us in our text. 22, let us draw near. 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. We haven't heard about that today. We sang all about it this morning. The reminder of God's faithfulness, His promises, who He is, it was all about that. Everything we sang, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. We have that confidence, that assurance, we have that hope. It's all here. So let us hold fast the profession of our hope without wavering for He who promised 
is faithful. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many people and how many of you, I know for myself, but how many of you know of people or individuals in your life Maybe you grew up with them and maybe you started following Jesus. You responded to his call and he was your savior, but also your Lord. And you had fellow brothers and sisters or friends or family members. And now you look around you and you don't know what happened to them. Where are they now? Who are they following? What are they doing? They professed. They had this hope. They were so adamant about it. And they were confident and they were so, well, emotional and even passionate if we could use that word. And now, where are they? And I speak to you, if you're watching, because I don't know if it is, but I'll tell you what. I know some of my own classmates that I went to Bible school with for four years and today they've turned their back on God and they make it known online. Come back to God. You haven't held fast to your profession of hope. What happened? You know, you know who I'm talking about because you know of individuals in your life. You know that they have let go and they've drifted away or they've gone to the wayside and God has become just an afterthought, if a thought at all, in their lives. Hold fast to the profession of hope. What happened to these people? Where are they today? There was a wavering. There was meaning that they, they or maybe even they became unsteady in their walk, in their faith, in their, in their hope. Or, or maybe they felt and they began to show and demonstrate in their lives that, that they doubted. And, and listen, doubting is not a sin, but their doubt led more and more and deeper and deeper. And, and they became so indecisive about their course of faith that they had no confidence and their faith waned and now their hope goes with it. Where are they now? What happened? What could cause us? What could cause them to give up or to let go of that grip? See, God, listen, just, just to, to balance this out, because we serve an amazing God. God never lets go. Oh, we, 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 our grip loosens, and we, but God doesn't let go, all right? Just, let me just put that to bed. That's the, that's the truth. But listen, what causes us to give up? To not hold on so tightly or so fast. And I believe that there are many, many reasons. Many reasons, but I'll just give you three really quick. And then I'll get to the two things that I really want to get. And trust me, these are quick. Because we can go through a whole list. But I believe the first reason that people, they let go. Or they, they, they lose that hope, that profession of hope. And they're not confident in it. Is because there are stresses in life. And the stresses can be summed up in two ways. And they fall into two categories. And one of the categories that is a stress is that there are difficulties. You know what they are. The hardships that come in our life. I don't need to mention to you the past year for so many of you or so many of the people that we know. But there are hardships. Not to mention personal things. Troubles that come into our life. None of us are exempt. And even if you're a believer and you made that profession and you had faith and then that hope and you are anticipating Jesus coming back and everything he has for you and then all of a sudden your grip loosened. Well, why? Because, because stresses of life, the stress of the difficulties in life came and you started, to, you started to doubt. Well, wait, God, but I thought that it was supposed to be like and you fill in the blank and it's not. They come to all of us. But for some people, it just got so hard 
that during those seasons and somehow they just, they gave up. The other category is that there's simple pressures of life. That there are just pressures of life, not just difficulties. Yes, they're connected, but just simple pressures of life. Let me explain. You know what? What about this? You get a job. You finish college. Or even before you go to college. You finish, let's just start with college. You finish college. You get a job. You're on your way to a career. You're, you profess Jesus. You're faithful. You're, you're involved in the Christian group in college, whatever. And all of a sudden, you, you get a career, and it's everything you wanted. All of a sudden, 40 hours a week turns into 50, and all of a sudden it's 60, and you're like, man, you get the pressure of life. You know what? Oh, yeah, but I can't pass up, because when I work more, and if they kick in 4% into my 401k and they match it, I got to max it out. I got to do it. I got to do everything I can, and we're, and we're just the pressures of life, and we think that's what it's all about, and then before you know it, you've gone through your career, and your kid is 18 years old, and you haven't spent time with them. And and along with that time with your kid, all of a sudden, God got pushed aside because of your work schedule. No, I got to make it. I got to make all I can while I can. And I got to, for some of you, that you've fallen into that trap or that you're, you're tempted with that trap right now. Life is not all about that, even as a Christian. By the way, you need to be smart, be prudent, take advantage, if you will, whatever God provides. But listen to me. God will always take care of you. He will take care of you. Don't try to do His work for you by killing yourself and neglect. The pressure will squeeze out the important things and ultimately, God gets squeezed out of your life. Long hours. What about a boyfriend or a girlfriend? And all of a sudden, you're all good. And all, they, but do you, do you know boyfriends and girlfriends demand attention? I mean, do you know that girlfriends demand attention? They demand Attention. And that's a pressure. And when it's something new, and it's something exciting and novel, and you're growing in it, you know what? It can replace or displace. That pressure will push out the things of God if you're not careful, and your grip will loosen, and you won't hold fast. But hold fast to that thing that counts the most, and that hope that you have inside of you. Be careful. Pressures of life. The homework. For parents, the teenage taxi service, the mortgage, the longer holidays, the hobbies we take up in our retirement or even beforehand, and they just take over the pressures of life. And until church, and by the way, church still matters. Christ, who died for his church, that's why it matters. Christian fellowship, they get squeezed out. Life's pressures can cause you to lose grip. The second thing people do is that, that can cause people to lose grip is, is because of sin, plain and simple. And there's this, there's this moral um, decay or moral collapse that can happen, and, and you lose your grip, right? And, and this is how it works. For sometimes it seems, a lifestyle seems appealing. And I'm not even talking extremes, but just little things you add to your life that you do and you buy onto. And, and maybe it is that I'm working harder, I'm a career man, I want to be an example, and I'm going to go crazy. And... It's appealing. But even, let's be more specific, maybe it's a relationship you shouldn't be in. Maybe it's helping yourself to something you're not even really entitled to. And we could, there's a lot of different levels to that. And to start with, we, 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 there's, a, there's, a, there's a circle, but, but we, we make it a square. And it seems so innocent, but it's, it's obvious, it's glaring, and it, it's, 
We try to make, we try to tell God how it's going to work and look. And, and we convince ourselves that God doesn't really mind, but we know he does. And the red flag is, listen, the red flag is when we won't even want our friends or our church family or to know. It's hard to keep things hidden forever. It just is. So eventually we stop coming quite so often. We don't make the effort. And this, this, this point will segue into in two weeks about what we talk about the next exhortation. But, but we do that. It's a common story. Sin is crouching at your doorstep. And it doesn't, listen, sin doesn't usually ambush you. Do you know what it does? Sin is at the doorstep and it systematically grooms you by aggrandizing you so that God and his ways are minimized. And you know what? If not moved, removed from the picture altogether. Because you're the king after all. And this leads to a loosening, a letting go of your hold on the hope that complements your faith until without notice. You've given up. You've thrown it, you've, you've, you've let it go. Real quick, last one. Why do people, why does this happen? Because because of false teaching. Now there's many other reasons. I'm just giving you three. So just understand. False teaching. This is, this is where the Hebrew Christians were. They were. There was a concern about them not falling away and falling into false teaching. And go to Pastor Dan's and you can learn about that, all right? And it, there's a lot more in Pastor Dan's class in Hebrews you can learn that, I, that you, can, you can cover there that I can't do right now. But there's, this, there's, a, there's, a, there's six mentions and concerns. And in fact, in this chapter 10, verse 26 to 31, you can see in the writer's writing that there's a concern about them falling away and, and, and pray to some kind of false teaching or something that's way wrong. Listen. There are so many Christs out there today. And you know what? You might be someone and you might be sitting here this morning. You still follow someone called Jesus. You still go to to a church. You still find Jesus in the Bible or at least bits and parts of it. But Jesus to you is like a Plato Jesus. You know, you make him up and you smash him and you make him whatever you want him to be. And he's all flexible and adaptable and you can do whatever you want to him and with him. And we've remodeled him before we know it into something more palatable because of false teaching. And, and a, a Jesus who makes fewer demands. Oh, he had some oh, serious demands in Luke chapter 9 in following him. But we've slipped away from the real Jesus. It's false teaching. I'm being very brief here because of time. People abandon their Christian faith for many reasons, but I think those three can sum it up. The stresses of life, sin, and false teaching. And so our text, verse 23, urges us to not let go. Instead, let us hold fast to the profession of our hope without wavering. Hold on, keep going. Now, a few years ago, I had a table saw that was donated to me. Well, it was given to me, right? It was an older one and someone gave it to me. It was a table saw and it goes on a stand. But on that stand, 
it was loose. I had to buy my own bolts and nuts so I could fasten it so it could be up and not fall off and go all over the place. Well, I bought these bolts and these nuts and I put it on. They're still on it in my house. I use it. It works well. But if I run it for a long time, even when I make it tight, I don't have a lock nut on there or a lock washer on there. After time, the vibration causes the bolts to loosen up. And when I don't pay attention after several uses of moving it around, I'll run it for an hour, run things through there for you know a couple hours working on things. I lift it up and the stand falls right off. Sometimes it surprises me and it, it can be dangerous. It's because all that moving, all that action, it wasn't locked in, it didn't bite in, it didn't have a firm grip. I have the wrong bolts there. Ryan Carrillo is chuckling and nodding his head in the first service because he knows all about that. But there's something that happens, and it happens in life. There's all kinds of stuff happening around us. And if we are not secured, and if we're not tightly in there, if we're not, if that, if I could put it, the, the bolt, if, we're, if, if our faith is that bolt, and it's not locked in to, 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 to the, our hope and our profession and all that, who God is and His faithfulness, all that vibration, all the noise, all the activity, all the pressure, all the pushing is going to, Loosen us up. we got to be careful. Hold on. So how do we do it? Two quick ways. Two quick ways to keep on keeping on so that your grip doesn't loosen. First, be eternity-minded. Let me phrase it another way. Think about the future. Look to the future. Don't look just here. Look to the future. And that will allow you to hold on until you get there. Because if you think you've already arrived, chances are you're going to let go. Be eternity-minded. Look to the future. The writer talks about holding on to our faith. He summarizes the faith in a, in a surprising way. And I say faith because only a couple translations and very few manuscripts say that we hold and we profess and we hold on to our faith. It's our hope, the profession of our hope, not our faith. And when the Bible uses the word hope, it doesn't use it in the same way that we do. Sometimes we speak of being hopeful, meaning that we think there's a good chance something might happen, right? If we say that. But we're a bit optimistic at that point. Or we could say something like, well, you know what? You can hope, can't you? Which means we're not very optimistic, so what is it? The Bible uses the word hope to speak of that absolute certainty in the future that God has for his people, which is that we will be with him and that everything he said that's going to happen with us is going to happen. We're going to go home and be with him one day. We're not here forever. He died and our faith is grounded on that fact, the fact, the truth, that Jesus died and rose again, the resurrection of Jesus. But then our hope, what does it do? It's a complimentary thing, but it looks to the reality of the future, which is the promise of Christ's return. Certainly, if he rose again and we believe that, then we can absolutely have hope that he's going to come back and take us to be with him. Jesus taught that one day he's coming back, didn't he? He's in heaven now, but he's coming back. And we can look forward to that. You want to keep holding on? Look to the future. Don't just look here. Don't just look here. Listen. Listen. The United States, and I care, will not be here forever. Spain will not be here forever. Angola will not be here forever. China will not be here forever. But his kingdom 
forever. And we're going to be there in heaven with him forever and ever and ever. Don't just look here. Be eternally minded. Look to the future. Have your mind fixed on that. The second way to not give up is to hold fast to your, by holding fast to your profession of hope is to remember that you have a faithful God. I feel like that's all I got to tell you. Because we're saying all about it. You have to be eternity minded and you have to remember that there is a faithful God. One more look at verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The reason we need to keep hold of God is because he will keep hold of us. Amen. End of story, right? And not only that, God will keep every promise that he's ever made. And there's no, not one of them that will fail. And he's the ultimate dependable one, which means we can depend on him. Now, I close with an illustration. Cohen, my family again, my sons. Cohen, I, I never... eBay is something I never really did until six months ago, five months ago with Christmas coming and all that and online shopping and COVID and all that. And my boys are into collecting sports cars and it's like a big deal for them right now and that's what they do. So they order everything online on eBay. Oh, I've been to eBay so many times. I, it makes me want to like, right? I'm just like tired of it. Cohen decided he wanted to spend some Christmas money uh, about two weeks ago almost now, and he ordered a couple boxes of, of football collectible cards, and he's waiting for them. Well, here's the thing. See, Cohen, if I could just make a connection here, Cohen has great faith in eBay and that who they work with to send it to him because he's done it, we've done it many, many times, and he's always gotten the package, right? He has faith, 100%. He knows it's a fact. He stands on it. He's going to get it. Now, here's the other thing. He also has hope, but, but we had an experience, and I think he wonders sometimes, and his hope kind of wanes. And, he, and he, he doesn't hold fast to that hope because he was supposed to get this, and he ordered this a while ago. It told him he's going to get it between this past Thursday and yesterday, and guess what? He ain't got it. And he asked me every day, where is it? Can you track it on your phone? Because you can track it. Well, it's, it's, it's in a town west of Chicago right now. Where is it today, Daddy? It's still in the town west of Chicago. Where is it today? This past Wednesday, it's still in a town west of Chicago. Oh, Thursday comes, Thursday night. Daddy, where is it? Oh, it must have been overnighted in a truck or something. It's in Springfield, Massachusetts. Yay, it's closer. It must be tomorrow. I said, no, it does not, I don't know about that. It's still in Springfield, Massachusetts. For crying out loud. <laughs> when is it going to get here? See, his hope, listen, his faith is there, but his hope is there. And listen, Cohen is still waiting for the package. Now, they didn't keep their promise. They did not keep their promise because we got it that between this day. In fact, it even said earlier at first, and it changed. So waiting, so waiting for those packages was a misplaced use of his time. To some degree, it absolutely was. Now, it's a little different. We can see it. I know it's, it's on the way. So if I can make a parallel, how can we not hope and hold fast to our hope when we know, we don't know the exact time. We don't have a tracking device like, you know, whatever the tracking thing is with the numbers and all that to know where Jesus is in the sky to come get us. We don't have that. We have clues, but we don't have the exact time. Cohen thought he didn't, it was it, and he felt failed. 
Let me tell you, Jesus didn't promise the exact time, but because he's been faithful to every single other promise, he's coming and you can have hope and it's going to happen because it always has. It's going to happen. You don't have to think and doubt and say, you know what, am I misplacing the use of my time in like hoping for this return of this Jesus guy? The savior of the world? Wait a minute. No, it can't be. This is ridiculous. What's happening? Listen, we keep holding on. We hold on to our hope without wavering because he who promised is faithful. There's such a pull to have and get everything immediately in our world. Like Cohen's package. When we do that with our faith, I want you to listen. This, I promise, 30 seconds. When we do that with our faith, in Christ, and want everything immediately in him and through him, it usually leads to Christians with no staying power. Jesus is not a genie in a bottle. If you view Christianity, and more specifically, if you view faith in Jesus by what he can deliver you this instant on your terms, and it's got to be now, and set me free, and whatever, it would mean that you would miss out on the wonderful things that God has promised in the future. So let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised, is faithful. Amen? Amen. Yes and amen. amen. Lord, as we go today, I pray that you would take this scripture, this word, these truths. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would further, Lord, illuminate to us as we search the scriptures and help us, Lord, to, to, to Lord, just reaffirm the assurance that we have, the confidence. And God, help us to hold tightly to that, to, to, to the profession of our hope which is that, Jesus, you died, you rose again, and you promised you're coming back, and you are on your way. Help us, Lord, with anticipation, excitement, and with, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit energy, Lord God. Spread the message that you're coming, and that you're a God of hope, and you're faithful. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for being good to us. And thank you that you'll never leave us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hold on to your profession of faith tightly. God bless you. Have a great day.